to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that loves to dance and loves to uh, sing in the dark. I'm Alex. Sometimes things seem pretty dark, but other times things are pretty great and we're having a great time and nothing (laughs) nothing to worry about because this is great. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that was the longest pause so far, Pete. Uh, we are going to be talking about Chapter 74, Wicked Little Town, the third ever musical episode of Riverdale. This year's big delayed because of things going on in the world, but a highly anticipated musical episode based on the off-Broadway, Broadway movie musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch by John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask. Enormous things happened to this episode. Oh, like, my cannot- God. Just, um, just, I gotta say though, like, let's just like, uh, this was a great episode outside of any fan. Fuck you. No, I mean fuck that. Fuck you. I mean that unbiased. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. I mean that completely unbiased. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, right. Huh? Yeah, right. Unbiased, man. No, that I. That is bullshit. Purely, this was like. This was a very just dramatically. This was a great episode. The, yeah. the it was shot really well. The music really worked. Both the in performance songs and just the songs that were uh, them just being overcome with their emotions, like in many musicals. Like I thought, this was just uh, especially for a reset episode. We're starting from almost zero with all of the action from um, Stonewall being ended, and here we are right at the beginning of uh, like trying to restart the whole machine. And man, I just thought they went from zero to 60 so fast and created a great mystery and fucking terrified me at the end. Fuck. <laughs> oh, it's so scary. So we'll, we'll get scary. there. It is so scary. Yeah. Great episode. Uh, the Pete, I just want to lay something out here before we get into obviously what happened to the episode. I'm I'm not totally on either of your side here. Like I have some opinions about this that I definitely want to talk about and all the things that happened in this episode, because there were certainly things I was anticipating. There was things I was looking forward to. They did not play out the way that I expected. And I have some concerns about it, but I do want to say, and I said this, I think every year for the past two years, and I still strongly believe this Riverdale is at its best and truest form when it's a musical. Like it yeah. always has musical numbers, but these heightened emotions that it hits during the musical episodes just works for it. Everything feels totally seamless. Tessa Lee Williams, who co-wrote the first musical, wrote this musical, uh, wrote last year's musical. She just knows how to weave a Broadway musical into the fabric of the show itself, which is insanely impressive. Like that is not an easy thing to do to take those three things and jam them together. And that to me works here really well. I'm curious before we get into any of the recap or anything, were you guys familiar with Hedwig? Did you know any of the music from Hedwig before we got into this? Uh, Only a little bit. I've never seen the show. Um, It's a show I 
would really want to see, especially coming out of this episode. Um, so it was really great to see how this, to come to these songs for sort of the first time and have them mm-hmm. really work as character songs for all of the, the characters and the narrative going on in the show as it is. Yeah. Pete, what about you? Nothing. No, I've never <laughs> Come heard on, this Pete. thing. I, Just I don't be I so really... sad. <laughs> oh, don't be sad. Oh yeah, what's fucking to be sad about, man? I can't go outside. We don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. And guess what? The one thing I had going for me just got fucking taken away from me. All right, so fuck you. That's the one thing. It, listen to this. Listen to the shit. That just all be... the shit going on. They got a fucking pile on with this. <laughs> Pete. Uh, I think I was watching the president's briefing earlier today and he said something about we're going to reopen the relationships <laughs> <laughs> by Easter. And that's pretty much what he did. That's, so, yeah. there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, Pete, let me just say this. Like Bernie. Let me say this, Pete. Um, <laughs> I actually think uh, obviously what happened happened in this episode, but it doesn't mean that Bughead is over. It doesn't mean that. It just means yeah. that. It's moving toward like whatever fucking Captain Sunshine. You're walking on fucking air over there, dude. You can't. You're smiling. Right. We're, we're getting ahead talk. of ourselves. It's fucking. It, it's too annoying. I just right? love. I fucking just love tone love. It the I, fuck down. I love love. I love the origin of love. We're very much getting ahead of ourselves. I'll just say my little note about Hedwig. I did see it when I was off Broadway with John Cameron Mitchell. I've seen the movie. Wow. Um, big fan of the show. Uh, the weird thing for me going into this was I had, other than knowing the plots of the movies, I knew nothing about Carrie the musical, knew nothing about Heather's the musical. So to me, this was the first time I was going into a musical with expectations about what the plot could be, what it could execute on, what the songs were like. So I was very nervous about that. But I think they did a good job of just kind of swerving and hitting, the, like you were saying, Justin, the emotional intensity of the songs yeah. uh, or the emotional intent of the songs versus specifically going with the plot of the Hedwig. And so one, that all said, wait, wait, one more thing I want to yes. say about the just the the musicality of it. I thought especially um, a great sharing of the songs, like passing off the lyrics to different characters, um, mm-hmm. and having the lyrics uh, that they pass to particular characters being like um, indicative of what they're actually feeling. Like what it's so hard to break up a song in general, and to do it so uh, like laser sighted on each character, I thought was just really impressive. Yeah, let's get into also, the recap here. Also, all the kissing here. I like, too, in the show. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, just to describe Pete visually right now, we're obviously doing this over Skype because we're not allowed to see each other in person. Uh, Pete is, like, in utter darkness right now. Just complete, yep. just just his face lit up by a red glow, and it's very sad. And my heart goes out to you, Pete, because I do want to talk about the stuff, and I think we'll all including the listeners, we'll all work through this together. This is a rough time for everybody. Totally agree. It's a rough time for, like, everyone. Totally everyone. (laughs) There's no one who is, like, enjoying any part of this. Right, Pete? Fuck you, man. Can you just stop smiling for five fucking seconds? So there's actually not a lot you need to know going into this episode, surprisingly, just because... Like Justin said, this is a reset. Over the course of the season, over the course of 16 episodes, uh, Jughead has attended an elite prep school called Stonewall Prep. He had to fake his own death at a certain point to unravel a mystery. But that is pretty much done with. Uh, The only thing that you really need to know there is there was a point when they thought Betty had hit him out on the head with a rock and maybe killed him. Turns out that was a manipulation by the Stonewall Prep squad that he was with. And they moved back to that. He missed several weeks of school because he was 
was living in a bunker and hiding out he from his, his evil classmates. Not a good yeah. excuse. Not a doctor's note. You can't fake your nope. death and just come right back to school. You got to do your homework. But luckily, his friend Archie knows about that well, because last year he was killed by a bear and missed the SATs. So uh, there's experience there to draw on. Additionally, Archie has been... Uh, Wearing himself out. I don't know why I searched for that word there, but he's been wearing himself out. He's been uh, managing a, a boxing gym. He's been dealing with the death of his father uh, that happened right at the beginning of the season. He has been managing his father's construction company. He was briefly a vigilante. Lots of stuff going on with Archie there. Uh, but both Archie and Jughead are struggling with the end of school, and they're trying to catch up in order to graduate along with their girlfriends, Veronica and Betty. Now, Veronica uh, is dealing with another issue, which is that her father, Hiram Lodge, has a unspecified neuromuscular disorder that she is extremely worried about. He hasn't really been seeking treatment very well for it and instead has been heading to Archie's gym to work out. The real doctor's office. Yes. And the other thing you probably need to know about Betty is while Jughead was dead, in order to throw the Stonewallies off of their track... Betty and Archie pretended to be dating. And this is something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but it certainly seems to have stirred up some feelings between the two of them that had been left dormant since at the very least season two and were barely touched on there. Uh, But way back at the beginning of the show, of course, when we first started Riverdale, Betty had a crush on Archie a very, very long time. They grew up together. They were kids together. But then she met Jughead and fell utterly in love with Jughead. Betty met Veronica, fell utterly in love with Veronica. Archie. And they have been together. What? You said Betty. Wait, but I, it was, I think it was Archie uh, met Veronica. I mean, Betty and Veronica I mean, are I, I meant what too. I said. I'm sticking by it. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm running with it. I'm going to do my own interpretation of the show. Uh, so that's what's going on with the four of them. Uh, also, Kevin Keller got his organs stolen by a cult. So that's <laughs> probably important cult. to know as well, because <laughs> honestly, that's his main motivation going on in this episode. Uh, I love that they not- touched on that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, the last thing that I was going to mention is there is a new principal in school named Principal Honey, and he is a big jerk who doesn't yes. like anybody. He's not yep. nice at all. He nasty. Uh, one yeah. other thing to mention um, that has been seeded throughout this season is that someone has been filming the front mm-hmm. doors of all the sort of cool Riverdale residents and slowly moving the camera closer and closer. It's been a looming um, shark fin-like presence throughout the season, mm-hmm. and uh, shit's coming co- close to home these days. Right. And mainly investigating that is Charles and Jughead's, excuse me, I don't know what's wrong with me in the names right now. Uh, it's been a while. You're flustered. I understand it. We're all feeling a lot of emotions right now. Some of them good, some of them bad. (laughs) Betty Jughead's half brother, Charles Smith is an FBI agent who has been leading the charge to discover who is taking this front door footage. Uh, and last thing you probably need to know is the biggest front door of all is the woods. That is the entrance the one. to the world, yeah, I always wow, call that's it. A good, and it's the entrance to where bears live, which are big, important <laughs> characters here in the show. The ultimate. Uh, so there you go. That's what you need to know. Previously on Riverdale, let's jump into it. Justin, well, you want to walk should, us through this? Real, real quick, real quick, though, we should just mention that the bunker has been called the sex bunker because it's had uh, crazy shit going on in there. And also that music room gets a lot of action, too. Yes. Yes. Uh, These are two locations of Riverdale. And as we know, Pete is our official sex geographer here. He tells us the places (laughs) where people be fucking. Thank you for the update, Pete. Uh, Great. Pete's having fun with this, too. Um, Before we jump into the story, 
I gotta say that uh, a a thing outside of all the romance entangle romantic entanglements, it was nice to see Kevin sort of at the center or near the center at least mm-hmm. of this episode. And yeah. I thought um, agreed he did a great great job uh, for every. It felt like a Kevin episode up until maybe uh, four fifths of the way through it, and then he was just playing piano yeah. off to the side. But really, uh, everything else was really great, and he really carried the episode. Well, in general, I think something that the musical episodes do really well by nature of them being an ensemble on stage, and usually you get to see them doing the stage musical, they're doing Carrie the musical, they're doing Heather's the musical, but everybody gets involved, like everybody in the entire cast. So you see everybody to the point where like, one of my favorite things in this episode, he barely does anything, but Reggie is great. Oh, yeah, Reg. He's doing exactly what he should be doing, which is being a meathead in the background and going, Reggie, yeah. every once in a while. And it's <laughs> yeah. so yeah. funny and so fun. so fun. And we don't get to see that. I want to see that on a weekly basis, not just when there's the musicals, you know? Yeah. Agreed. That's why, again, this is probably the best episode ever of Riverdale. Let's jump into it. Uh, it's called oh, Wicked Little God. Town. Um, we start and we um, get right back. Uh, we know that because they... They say that numerous, numerous, numerous times during they this. They do. It's good. They I like to be reminded. to death with that title. And, uh, I like a, a, a piece of content that says the title as much as possible. It's like this could be called um, The Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. because they say Endgame all the time. That's the other m- title. That ah, <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so it, just a little bit of a note here because I did some stuff at the day job for uh, covering the show and – the Wicked Little Town thing and all of that thing, they hadn't actually originally planned on doing Hedwig, but Stephen Trask, who wrote the book and the music, I want to say, I think John Cameron Mitchell to the lyrics, uh, he's a big fan of Riverdale. And he was like, hey, if you ever need me to write music for you guys, I'd love to do that. And they're like, should we do a Hedwig for the musical? What should we do? And then they started looking at the songs and they literally were like, oh yeah, Riverdale's a wicked little town. That works. And then they started looking at the other songs, the same thing. So I think that's part of the reason that right up front, they hit that stuff so hard is because they realize these literal lyrics, even if it's not necessarily the sense of the lyrics work for the town of Riverdale. I also like that we cut in right with this amazing group number that, makes it very different from the previous musicals, which had this framing of uh, them doing a musical. So it was kind of like people practicing the songs. Yeah. But in this case, it's not. It's literally a musical episode. I agree. It felt like a much more confident start to the musical episode. We didn't have to lay it on a bunch of um, uh, rationale of why they're singing. It was just like, oh, they're singing because shit's intense in this town. It's a wicked little town. We start with some uh, usual Jughead um, narration. He's back at Pops. He's drinking his coffee. He's working on some stuff writing. Um, he's talking about the tapes, which have gotten more and more intense. And then we get into the musical number, as Alex said, which, again, great job splitting the lines here. It felt very like, very much like Magnolia, if you remember that uh, mm-hmm. movie from... Uh, Wait, uh, what are they singing that? They sing an Amy Mann song. Oh, uh, that's right. Which I'm um, sure... Good movie. Great movie. And and that I remember that was like such a news thing when they did a a character-wide musical number in the middle of a otherwise non-musical movie. Um, and that it had the same vibe here where it was just like, hey, let's remind everyone of all of our characters and remember that everything is crazy in this town at all times. Yeah. Um, the other thing that know, I would so like to... Like oh, go ahead, Pete. It was like a musical check-in with everybody. 
Mm-hmm. I like that uh, Phallus got to sing together. That was fun. Um, I wasn't yeah. expecting to see a Skeet Ulrich in particular singing at all. I also really like Cole Sprouse's voice in this episode. Yeah. Like, apparently Hedwig is his favorite show, and he does it at karaoke all the time. And I think that paid off really nicely. Like, he he was going for it the entire time. And Alex, you have a full breakdown of all of the characters of Riverdale's, uh, the actors karaoke numbers, right? That's part of your day <laughs> <Yes>. job, right? <laughs> You're stalking them as your day job just technically, right? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't want to call it stalking. I would call it, uh, official. It's, uh, it's my job. Line <laughs> yeah, producer. Yeah. You're, <laughs> the, you're the line producer of their karaoke numbers. Right. Um, so then we uh, – and I also love the way – not to keep dwelling on great things, but um, the way this was shot where even though they were singing this sort of fun song, it was – they were paranoid. There was a par- sense of paranoia throughout. They kept sort of watching the tape and then looking over their shoulder and seeing uh, – looking out the window at uh, Kevin and the group of people there. We're looking out the window to see is the camera there right now watching us. And I thought it – it added some nice uh, tension underneath at the beginning of this episode, ramping up the tension of these tapes, which has been going all season. Yes, Pete, uh, we'll take questions. Pete. Oh, great. Yeah, just because we know that Sorry, people are Pete, fil- could you quickly say your uh, full name and outlet? Yeah, where, where are you working these days? Uh, I cover the Zalbans and Asshole Beat, and uh, basically <laughs> For what, what I'm Sorry, what's your outlet? Your outlet is Riverdale After Dark, the podcast, right? Uh, sure is, sure is. The yes, way to say it is, Pete LePage, Riverdale After Dark. Got a question yeah. for you. Sex geographer for Riverdale After Dark, Pete LePage here. One quick question. Uh, you guys have beaten me into submission. I, I, I give up. <laughs> no, we're here. <laughs> Pete, come question. on. Pete, come on. Feel some energy. This is fun. We like this. Uh, we like this. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's fun for you because it gives you energy because you're happy about what happened. You weren't just beaten down for almost an hour. I'm ha- I'm personally happy because I get to talk to my two friends about my favorite show. But, you know, which, <laughs> whatever you want. Pete. <laughs> wow. However okay. you want to take it, it's fine. I'm fine. Uh, did you have a question I or were you would... just glowering? OK, go ahead. Uh, no, yeah, I'm just wondering if somebody is, and this is just maybe me, if somebody is sending me videotapes of my door, I'm going to start looking out my window more, like a lot, set up a camera, like fucking mm-hmm. really go to town. It's just upsetting to me that uh, every once in a while somebody glances and that's it. Uh, I would think maybe that would uh, trigger people a little bit more into maybe... Uh, trying to film whoever's filming them or something, you know? Well, let me say this. In a town where, mm, I don't want to say, like, 30 people have been murdered, like, their like, <laughs> videotapes on their doorstep are, like, a lower-tier problem. Sure. Um, okay. The stakes but are I, high. I also think if you're the FBI, first thing you do is, like, hey, who's buying 6,000 videotapes every month? <laughs> who's doing that? Let, let's yeah. go to that store. <laughs> Yeah. Because the Let's VHS just trace tapes. an order for <laughs> right. VHS tapes, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. who's buying a lot of VHS tapes these days? Yeah, Blockbuster yeah, Video, I'll buying. say. Have you checked out their selection? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And as always, this episode is sponsored by Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video, if you're a resident of a small town in Alaska, come rent with us, because that's the only outlet that's still open. <laughs> uh, so jumping into more plotty stuff... Um, 
the only non-relationshipy stuff here um, was hi- based on Hiram. Hiram, who um, we believe mm-hmm. is sick. We've debated whether or not he has this neurological disease. Um, he's been skipping doctor's appointments, going to um, Archie at the gym and just working out. Um, and he, in talking to Archie, uh, well, he tells his family he's going to the doctors. He's clearly not. And then when he talks to Archie, who knows he's sick, he denies it. Uh, so what do we think? We've been sort of debating this. Is Hiram sick or not? I think he I, is. Oh, Pete, yeah. you, you I, don't. I disagree. I, I, okay. Yeah, I, the fact that he's going to Archie's gym and then slips and Archie has to come say, oh, don't tell Veronica. This is all part of his evil plan. You know, like he's doing this in front of Archie so he can look vulnerable for whatever evil bullshit he's got working. See, I felt the opposite. I felt like his denial to Archie made me think he actually is sick. Um, yeah. Though it does make me wonder, I don't know what that means for the story. This feels like such a different story to everything that's happening now um, that I don't know how I don't know how this will play in. If anything, right now, its main function seems to be cause, to cause Veronica stress. And that's pretty much it. Like, it even has less to do with Hiram, it feels like, than it does to do with her. And to your point, Pete, I guess there could be a world, because this is Riverdale, where he is faking this part of his long-range plot to break up Veronica and Archie again or something. There are other people Um, working on that, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Uh, But I do think... (laughs) All right, calm down, buddy. (laughs) Calm down. I don't write Riverdale. This is not my fault. This is not Justin's fault. It's partially Justin's fault. It is my fault a little bit. Yeah, just slightly. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it it seems real to me. I mean, regardless, like, the way that it's played out in the episode, I don't think it matters whether it's real or not. Uh, It's more about what it does to Archie, what it does to his relationship with Veronica. Yes. Uh, And I like... Uh, I mean, this is just another note, not to keep complimenting everybody about everything, but this episode, again, does a really nice job of hitting the earnest, sweet Archie, because the him talking to Hiram and not telling Veronica about it, I don't think he really does anything wrong in this episode, necessarily. Like, he's just being his naive, nice Archie self who's trying to please everybody. Oh, he doesn't do anything wrong in this episode? I didn't spot anything. (laughs) <laughs> well, I didn't see any all right. errors. Maybe one oh, thing. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I have maybe a theory. cheating on his girlfriend is something that he did wrong. We'll talk about that later. Um, real quick uh, sidebar theory. Um, if what happens in this episode that we'll talk about later between Betty and Archie continues, I do think Hiram, uh, Veronica's father, Hiram, becoming increasingly sick may be something that... Uh, makes Archie want to be with Veronica and support Veronica in that time when he mm-hmm. is maybe moving toward Betty. That to me is something where if it's, if all of, if Hiram is less a villain this season and is more of sort of a, a character that influences our main characters, then I think he will become a Veronica Archie, uh, attractor. Mm, interesting. Huh. Uh, do you agree, Pete? Uh, I I don't think that's his play. I don't think that's part of his evil plan. No, I don't think he's. Uh, but I don't was, think he's doing that on purpose. I think he is actually sick. And Archie, having just lost his father, is going to feel for Veronica, who may be losing her father. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be that would be nice. 
you know, to try to be there for somebody and not like secretly fucking backstab them. You know what exactly. I mean? But do you hey, think Pete, that'll, could you that'll wild- even out with uh, Betty's supple lips? <laughs> oh my god! And Pete, could what you, you just think, could you wipe all the tears out of your eyes just for the podcast? Just wipe the tears away while we're talking. <laughs> it's hard to see you crying, baby. It's hard to see you crying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's keep going uh, to get to the eventual uh, train wreck that we're all facing um, with this episode. Um, so Betty is trying to get Jughead to graduate. Um, and he seems not, she put together a packet of things he has to do to finish and be able to graduate with them. Archie seems to be, um, completely color coded. Um, what a lovely thing to do. She's very Leslie. Nope. Yeah. Very, very Leslie. Nope. Of she's, her, the whole a, thing. she's going to be a great girlfriend to one of these characters someday. Um, Jughead <laughs> flounts her help and goes to Charles, um, to help him watch some of these tapes. He's going, he's trying to get involved in the tape mystery because What's that? Yeah, because he wants to get involved in a mystery. That's that's part of what well, makes him happy, you know. So he's like, okay, I, I'll do this shitty work, and then do something I want to do. This is very consistent with the way that they played out his character this season, though. Where we had an entire episode where he was concentrating on the Stonewall mystery, and Betty was like. You just need to write your essays. Write your essays first, and then you could mystery as much as you want. And he's doing the same thing here. This time, his excuse. Which is a pretty fair excuse is that he died Like he almost died Was asleep for 36 hours Had to fake his own death Had to unravel a whole mystery To save his life and the lives of his family And everything else So he has a valid excuse there But at the same time It's He's falling back on old habits Is I think essentially what is happening with him But also with a lot of the people in this episode Down to What happens eventually potentially with Archie and Betty You could argue in that direction Yes Um, But as it is I like what happens here With Jughead and Betty In terms of that stress on their relationship The fact that She's pushing really hard because she wants to Hold on to their relationship She knows they're ending, as she mentions later on, they're heading towards the end of senior year. She's going to Yale no matter what. What is Jughead going to do? If he doesn't push hard, they're never going to be together in the same place. It's just not going to work out in the same way. And I think that is freaking her out in the same way that Jughead is pulling back because of that. Well, I think he feels freaked out, too, because he knows that he's not he it didn't get into Yale or he did and then he got murdered quote unquote uh yeah so i think he's like oh well, he's fully aware of that and i think that's why he's maybe rejecting the schoolwork to focus on another mystery which feels like a a short term problem that he thinks he can solve uh what do, yeah. now what do we think about charles here like charles who is in his quote unquote FBI office, I guess. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, Jughead, I've been wanting some help on this case. That's how I do cases. I have teens help me. Um, and he's like, I won't tell Betty unless yeah. she asks me directly that you're helping me. Which is a stupid thing to say. That's basically being like, if Betty brings it up at all, I'm going to, uh, you know, tell on you. Um, I thought that was but- okay. I thought that was an all right way for him to play that because, it would have been it would have been annoying if he was like, yes, I promise I'm not going to tell Betty because that would be an insane thing for an FBI agent to say. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, he was like, no, I'm going to tell Betty no matter what. That would be weird and rude for the character. So I, I thought that was a good solution to that from a writing perspective, at least. 
Yeah. And he? as we see later, it doesn't really. What, whatever. He's going to. He's not a real FBI agent. Like, this is all a fucking sham. It's him and Chick and the goddamn masks. It's it's a shit show. And they're finally going to kind of reveal their master plan eventually. So he's just getting along here and just like, you know, he could have lied to his face, but he's like, ah, I'll just be more smarmy than I normally am. But I don't understand. I mean, Chick, if Chick's doing that, that's not very heroic behavior. And as we've known over the course of the show, Chick is the no, true, true hero, hero of Riverdale. No. True no. hero of Riverdale. Right. No. So what would his no. goal here be? To push them to be better? Is that is that what he's looking for? Yeah, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I, just, know, I don't know if this like, fits with your fandom of this show, but I, it feels like this show is going to the end of the season with Betty and Archie together, and Chick is the true hero of Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is I, I don't want to get too much up. into spoilers for the show, but I did read some stuff about the end of season. Obviously, a lot of it is in flux because of everything that's happening in the world. But the three things that I heard that they're playing towards are uh, Betty and Archie are going to be together forever. Chick is the true hero of Riverdale and cheesesteaks don't taste good anymore, which was (laughs) a weird plot point. And the the subway sandwich shop is fucking evil. The subway sandwich shop is getting rid of meatballs. (laughs) (laughs) Devastating business plan. They're just like, ah, nobody, not enough people buy meatball subs. A little inside baseball there. It's not true. The Peter Page fans out there. Mr. Sub, as they call him. Uh, let's keep, I mean, yes, we'll, we'll talk about it more at the end of the episode, but yeah, I mean, it's probably Charles and chick of the mask. That's the most likely suspects mm-hmm. at this point. But I do think again, like in a very Riverdale way in this episode, Charles is not really doing anything suspect. I think he's just, I think they are literally writing him as just a straight up FBI agent up until the point that he's not. Yeah, I agree. You know? And I actually think he is in the FBI. I just think he's going rogue to do whatever he's doing here in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. let's keep going. we got a, a lot of fun stuff coming up here. Um, Kevin, uh, we have seen with Kevin and Mr. Honey. Uh, Mr. Honey puts the kibosh on um, him performing a song from Hedwig and the, and the Angry Inch. Um, Honey really repping Oklahoma and Carousel. Uh, very yeah. cutting-edge musicals, um, as we all know. And I, lo- I know I've got... I know I've gotten to bat for him before, but I loved Kerr Smith in this episode as the straight man fighting against everybody. Just like the way that he bristles is so funny and so good and so like just gets right under everybody's skin in exactly the right way. He also, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but the uh, sugar daddy number, that number is funny because of him. Yeah. Like the cutaways to him are where you get those laugh lines and they're yeah. absolutely perfect. It, the f- cutaways never so funny because it's like he's like, ooh, I'm going to stop this. And he's like, well, let me just let him finish this <laughs> little bit of dance. Let him finish this bit of the number. Um, yeah. It's so cartoony. It's great. Yeah. He is great throughout this whole episode. Pete, you love it? You love it, Pete? Pete's the no, mi- no, Mr. Honey of the, he, Pete's Mr. This. Honey of this podcast. <laughs> How dare you, first off? Uh, yeah, Mr. Honey's an asshole, and his name is the opposite of who he is. And I just, uh, yeah, and <laughs> I didn't appreciate Vinegar. his toodles line either. Wow. Huh, he's Mrs. Beehive? Is that what you're saying? That would be the opposite of Mr. Honey in my mind. No, you can attract more. You're saying um, if someone's name, 
was Mr. Honey, you would think maybe they were sweet, loving, caring person. Oh, I see. That, Interesting. The All opposite right. of honey is really vinegar. Because you can attract more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. <laughs> right, right. He's Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. Salad Dressing, really. Uh, so we get into the song, um, and I love this uh, number for Kevin. And I like this line. He says, we are relentlessly slammed with crisis after crisis, uh, talking about mm-hmm. um, his generation. And I thought that was especially prescient for what's happening in our lives right now. Um, well, it's also yeah. the other interesting thing about it from a show perspective is it draws a very clear line between this episode and the last musical episode, which was the same thing where it was the kids of the town deciding to use the school musical to fight back against the farm that was encroaching on the entire town yeah. and being like uh, exactly the same thing that we deal with school shootings. We deal with violence. We deal with all of these things every day and we're not going to stop living. We're going to push forward. Uh, and, uh, Kevin having that feeling again, I think that drew pleasant associations for me with the episode. Uh, and it also pulls out the thread that they want from Hedwig because Hedwig, the creator of Hedwig has very specifically said it is not is specifically a trans story, even though it deals with some trans elements, it deals with some drag elements and other things. It's more a love story. It's about rebels. It's about all of these other things. So having that stated up front by Kevin, I think, makes a lot of sense as a mission statement for the episode. Yeah, and, and not really knowing the musical very well, it feels like just a, a youth rebellion all the the music feels mm-hmm. very much like we're just busting out because shit sucks around us. We're being yeah. oppressed. Yeah, that's not exactly what it is. Like, I highly recommend everybody watch it. There's, the movie version tweaks things and changes things a little bit, but it stars John Conrad Mitchell, who is in the off-Broadway version. Uh, and you can watch it on HBO Go or HBO Now right now. Uh, but it's real, real good. Uh, and it's definitely very different from what they do in Riverdale. Yeah. Um, I love how much Honey really weighs in on the talent show. All principals should really be workshopping every single number in any talent show. Uh-huh. Um, that's what being a principal is all about. Um, we get this great number with uh, different sweaters. Uh, very cool. They all wore them on the same day. Um, this is great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I loved Cheryl being, of course, the only one wearing a red number on her shirt uh, because she's special and that's what she gets to do. Uh, but yeah, it, also I loved Archie being number one. Uh, that was just super fun as well. Uh, but yeah, everybody having the numbers, doing random number generator. Uh, and my other favorite thing about that is after they destroy the school, just like rip stuff out of the lockers and throw stuff everywhere. And Mr. Honey's like, go back to class. There's a pause. And then Archie <laughs> just walks out of the hallway like, nothing's going on. He walked out like, oh, shit. Was I supposed to be doing something right now? Am I missing the number? The number number? And then he just signs up for the uh, talent show as a garage band. Yeah. Another fun note, uh, just very cute, on the variety show side up, the tagline is less trauma, more drama, which very cute. Yeah. Truth. That's what we need in the world. Uh, So uh, we come back and um, Archie is playing guitar, goes to the garage, which is where you learn how to be in a garage band, and gets um, his guitar out of the jalopy. Uh, which I thought well, was he nice. gets. Uh, it's not his guitar. It's actually Fred's yeah, guitar. Yes, is the yes, thing. He right, breaks yeah, the he string. Breaks his guitar. Yeah, he breaks. Yeah, the string. and he finds Fred's guitar, and it's very sweet. 
the whole thing, his whole arc in this episode, that he discovers it. He sees the Fred Head sticker, which is something that we found out about in the Midnight Club episode back in season two, uh, when we got the flashback to Fred's band, which is called the Fred Heads. And that inspires him to call his band the Archies, which was a great way of working in a absolutely ludicrous thing to call your bad. Yes. Like, agree completely. Like I, the way they sold this through was really well done. I thought. Yeah. Uh, and this is followed up by him going in and talking to everybody in the lounge. Right. I think uh, there's a scene um, with Kevin um, uh, where it's like, Oh, I think you should go rogue um, and just do whatever you want. Uh, and then we get a, uh, a bughead scene with some harsh notes from Betty on Jughead's work so far. And he's like, oh, I'll just go to the bunker and work. And instead, he just goes there and watches more tapes. Um, and then we get to he tells the gang that he signed up with um, the Archies for them. Yeah. Uh, and that's very cute. Like, I, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but I love those scenes of just everybody in the lounge just hanging out and being teens and being kids. It's sweet and it's nice. Jughead deferring out and being like, uh, I don't know if I have time to do that. And Betty saying, oh, come on, it's our senior year. We said we'd do stuff like this. Veronica has some sort of line where she's like, I fully support absolutely anything you're doing, Archie. But all of it is like it. The two th- big things that I took away from this episode beyond anything else is that just the musical is so joyous and it always fits very well with Riverdale. And this was the most musical of the musical episodes, but this also felt the most Archie comics of almost any episode of the show ever to me. Yeah. In a certain way. I don't know if you guys got that as well. Well, yes, it felt like everyone was, uh, I mean, everyone was hanging out. Everyone was being friends. Yep. There was all this stuff underneath sort of boiling and, it didn't even mm-hmm. explode over at the, by the end of the episode. They're just still doing their stuff. They're playing in the band despite all the drama. And so I, I agree with you, especially if things are going to erupt into turmoil going forward. This was such a nice, like, we're all friends episode. Yeah. Pete? Uh, you completely disagree. Uh, I feel like this episode really, uh, you know, took a sharp turn and, you know, uh, things that they've been uh, working on and what made the show great for so long. It's just they've just kind of abandoned that. Mm. Uh, just like me, abandoning any hope that we're going to make it out of this fucking thing. All right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus Wait, Christ. Are you talking about this Riverdale podcast or are you talking about what's going out of the world? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column A. Wow. <laughs> this episode is really pushing you, I want to say, over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, cool. Uh, fun stuff. Great note to move on on. Uh, Kevin takes over the PA, and he invites everyone down to the music room. As we know, it's also, what is it, Pete? Music room? It's a sex room. It's a sex room. Yeah. Uh, but that's where um, uh, Kevin and his band uh, perform. A great song, Mr. Honey, Not Happy, officially kicks him off the variety show and unplugs the music. What do we think of this well, number? Wait, I want to talk about a couple of moments yes. from there. Uh, because, again, like I, I don't want to keep pushing this agenda. I know, Pete, you just pushed back about this. But this also was like, this whole sequence was so Archie Comics to me. Just Principal Honey yeah. being like, I swear to God, Kevin, you get off of there. Stop singing. I'm going to pull out this plug. And then waiting until he was 100% done with the number to pull the plug. 
all of that was great. I also loved, loved the moment of Kevin jumping out into the crowd and kissing Archie and just KJ Oppa's expression after that. I'll mention again, this is a day job thing, but I talked to Casey Cott uh, about filming the scene and that was not scripted that moment. Oh, really? That's um, so funny. Yeah, that he is a huge fan of Hedwig. And in Hedwig, the stage show, at that point during that song, uh, the person playing Hedwig will jump out of the crowd and kiss somebody in the crowd. And so they tried one take where he jumped out and kissed KJ Oppa on the cheek. And they were like, yeah, this is okay. And they weren't expecting it. They were like, okay, let's take it again. And at that point, Casey got decided to just go for it and jumped out and smooched KJ Oppa. And so... He said everybody there knew it was one of those things where all of the actors like, that's the take. That's where we got it. That's so funny. It's it's great. Like the the reaction on everybody's faces is so genuine and so happy. And I know, Pete, what you're saying about like we're all in isolation and everything. But watching this number and watching a couple of numbers in this episode, not to get too effusive about it, but – it just felt so joyful and happy in the right way right now to watch these characters that are usually so separate, usually dealing with such arch, terrible circumstances to be enjoying each other's company, all singing together in a crowd group situation made me really happy to watch. Honestly, Pete. Nope. Uh, you guys keep talking about how great it is that it's uh, just like the comics. This show was great because it was different from the comics. It was trying different things. It was taking the comic book thing and kind of spinning it off and going in different directions. And now uh, forcing this kind of narrative of like turning things back to maybe what the comics was about. And uh, no. I just was like, no. Well, you're talking episode. specifically about the Parchy thing, right? Yeah. I understand that, Pete. And we're going to get there again, uh, just, to, just to try to calm you down a little bit. I have some thoughts and issues with this that I will share with yeah. you when we get there. Don't worry. But let's, let's, I do, uh, to me, that doesn't taint the entire episode because there's so many great things about the episode that did feel very happy to me. Yeah. Papa's album's going to fix it up for you, Pete. Um, uh, we're good. We're but good, it, babe. But I, like, I don't think when Alex says it's like the comic, I think it just means it's like the principal's like the bad guy, but he also likes all the kids. Like, it's just, it's a, a way of. It doesn't uh, seem like pi- that's what's happening here. Yeah, but that, that's not any different than Mr. Honey was before any other time in this season. Mr. Honey was always the like hard nosed principal who was just like putting a stop to stuff. And I just think. Well, first off, Mr. Honey hasn't even been here the whole time, he's a new principal. I'm talking uh, about this gone, season. Gone through a couple. I'm talking about this okay. season specifically. Like he's always just been there, being a problem for the kids, <clears throat> and that's right. what happens here. Like he is just being the problem for Kevin, and it lets Kevin do all these really cool things, um, and all the this rebellious uh, takeover throughout the episode. And we get the the makeover song next with um, Betty, Veronica, Shoni, and Kevin, um, all in uh, multiple bedrooms. I love the line when Kevin says how he was just coming out or coming back to pre-farm Kevin. And I love mm-hmm. him being aware of the difficulties he's been having. I thought that was a cool moment. He has a This gr- was uh, my... Oh, go ahead, Justin. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say this was my favorite sequence of the episode. The wig of the box number, just the whole thing. Again, like... 
having the girls and Kevin all hanging out, having uh, Betty be like, oh, should we order greasy pizza from Cicero's? Everybody just having little Cicero's. Good- Little Cicero, like little Caesars. Uh, having a great time. The shot where uh, Kevin is singing about be feeling like Farrah Fawcett in his wig, and everybody's doing the finger guns. Yeah, it, jumping to, inexplicably to everybody's bedrooms and going and visiting all of the different sets, having the pillow fight. Yeah, a crazy the, random pillow fight, which seemed like in a different time and place. Yeah, well, that was well, that was in the Pembroke. So you went to Cheryl's bedroom, you went to Betty's bedroom, you went to uh, the Pembroke, to Veronica's bedroom, and then everybody falling down and doing the head thing on the bed. Uh, that shot with the mirrors where everybody's holding the mirrors and you could see their faces in it. The whole thing was so well staged, so well shot, and everybody was just having such a blast. It was so much fun to watch. I loved it. Yeah, I, I like the line where Kevin was like, I don't think uh, a makeover montage is going to do it. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was a great line. Were out. They went into. Yeah. You stepped yeah. up, got and yourself then, a meatball sub, left, didn't watch yeah. the rest of the thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, you didn't. Know, you knew what was going to happen, and you didn't need to watch it. Um, <laughs> but also the fact that they were ta- playing like eight tracks, and you know, like this, I'm like, I'm constantly like, when is this show taking place? Because they showed like cars in this episode, and they were like a mix of old timey cars and newer cars. Cars, and, the movie, the Pixar movie, they showed that with Lightning McQueen. As we know, Pete is a a big viewer of the vehicles in any ep- any TV show we watch. So I, <laughs> sure, I do that believe true. that Pete has studied the car, uh, the cars of Riverdale. Hmm. Do they well, talk sometimes when like you're... Lightning McQueen? Oh my god! <laughs> I love we're giving Pete, we're giving so, so much space. Good. <laughs> Sometimes when you're watching a period piece, you can look at something like the cars or the technology they're using to give you a hint. So we had a lot of old-timey cars and A-tracks in this episode, and then a fucking random pillow fight, which I don't think is real. Well, the problem is, Pete, that this is Riverdale, not Radiator Springs. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, Pete? <laughs> uh, Alex, you really preach it to the Cars fans here because I, I don't know what you're talking Big about. Big fan. Big fan. Favorite. That's the best Pixar movie. I think everybody agrees. No one, no one in the world thinks that. Nobody in the world. <laughs> yeah. Thinks that. Sorry. Cars 2. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, I, I agree. I thought that was a great sequence. Really enjoyed it. I love how much it feels like th- through this specifically, but all the numbers that they're letting the fun choices lead it. Like later on when we cut mm-hmm. from the Archies playing uh, in Le Bon Nuit just inexplicably to the roof of Pops. Like that was another moment where I was like, that eh, doesn't make any sense, but it's super fun and I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, how are they getting from bedroom to bedroom? Are they seriously like traveling or? You know? Well, but that's, uh, I think that gets back to what we were talking about earlier, the musical nature of this musical episode, which they don't necessarily eschew the previous years, but the fact that they were like, Reality is gone. This is a musical in Riverdale. People can go anywhere. They can do anything. And that is very, particularly old-timey movie musical, which is, I think, a lot of what the direction was going for. And that is very much in the wheelhouse of things that I absolutely love. So that completely worked for me. And plus, we... we I hope hope it's going to be one of those things where all that happened in a musical doesn't happen in real life. You know what I mean? Like, so... That that shit doesn't count. Nope. Well, like for example, cats don't exist. Yeah. Right. No, cats buttholes yeah. don't exist. <laughs> that we all agree on. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So let's jump into the next number, which Did com- you hear, by the way, that the butthole uh, cut actually does exist yes. of cats? Like, they actually did that and edited out the buttholes? That's it's like someone say. was, like, was able to have one wish to make one thing on the internet <laughs> real, and they chose that thing, which seems like a suspect choice um, in the world to choose, yeah. but it's crazy. Right. I don't want, care what happens on a pandemic level as long as there's buttholes and cats. Yeah. It's so internet. Monkey paw goes, with his little finger. Yeah. Speaking of the internet, it's probably ruined right now based on this particular episode of television we're talking about. So, oh yeah, <laughs> let's. I mean, it's been uh, for like a week because unfortunately most of the details leaked out, and it has been hellacious <laughs> to be online. But I, the other part of that is that the large majority of people, like Riverdale fans, don't tweet all day. They don't Facebook all day. They don't know about this stuff. So there are a lot of people, to your point, who are probably coming in 100% clean to this episode and are a mess right now. Yes. Yeah. With this stuff that we're about to get into. A lot of Pete's out there. Um, Fucking bullshit. So uh, let's keep talking. Um, We get uh, the next musical number. Cheryl is like, I think I know how to talk to Mr. Honey. Uh, Mr. Honey, trying to have a a (laughs) cup of coffee at at Pops. Tea, I think. He's actually having tea. tea. You're right. It's tea. Coffee, too harsh for Mr. Honey. You know, he has to keep it light with a little tea. What I liked about this was we got to see a lot of Cheryl and Tony in this song. So it was was enjoyable. It was. uh, We get Pops on the jukebox, which I thought was great. Uh, a little song called Sugar Daddy. And, I mean, really, this would be problematic to do uh, to a principal in any town. <laughs> this is in the long lines of uh, Cheryl Blossom being like, I know how to solve this situation. <laughs> yes, yes, it yes. Exponentially worse. This definitely fits in there. I did love the detail that Pop was like, I know what the plan is. Yeah. I'm in on this. I'm part of First, this. First, I hit this button, and then I come over with two sodas that you click. And yeah. I'm good. Yeah, that was he, great. The, the Pop, shows up, Pop shows up for dance rehearsals, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this number was also great. So ludicrous in exactly the right way. It was so and well shot. It was so well <laughs> choreographed. I This is my favorite number of the whole, uh, the whole show. Really just well done, top to bottom. How'd you feel about it, Pete? Yeah, it really was. Uh, it was a fun number. <laughs> Pete, give us something. Give us a little something. Give Daddy well, a little I sugar. Said a nice thing earlier, you fuck. <laughs> Great. Well, please reserve your niceness for one an ep- one an episode, please. Yes, thanks, uh, Pete. And uh, we get the the tail end of your bar from prom if you do Hedwig, and the line that Pete already mentioned, as you like to say, Mister Miss uh, Miss Blossom, toodles. Uh, I thought that was a real honey dig. <laughs> oh, he he does not like her in particular. Like he doesn't yeah. like any of the students, but he really doesn't like Cheryl. And yeah. I'm curious to yeah. see how much that's going to blow over by the end of the season or blow up. Yeah, it's not going to blow over at all. Well, it, it's curious. I Mr. hope Cheryl stabs him. <laughs> yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> it's funny because Mr. Honey is definitely a villain, but we don't know to what level he's a villain. Uh, mm-hmm. Our last sort of th- round of theories felt like he was connected to Stonewall, and it feels like the Stonewall plot is fully sealed over for at least for now. So I- I'm curious what how he will play into the final story here. I because I love to hate him as a character so much. I hope he's just an asshole principal. Like I hope he's not actually connected to anything, and he's just. 
the perfect foil to them because clearly they're going to go to college or there's going to be a time jump at the end of season or something like that. So they're going to be pretty much done with him. So like, he doesn't need to be an uber evil. He's already bad enough for them as it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. But it does, it feels like such a strong choice to have him there. It feels like he needs to amount to more than just sure. a stodgy principle. Um, yeah. Getting back to Archie and Hiram, um, Archie's training. Um, Hiram, um, he, gets, she, he gets a bunch of calls from Veronica. Um Archie blows up Hiram's spot. He he fell and injured himself. Veronica's pissed. We jump right into Betty being pissed at Jughead for not doing his homework, and we get fight the, song. We get a fight song. Everybody's mad, uh, which I thought was uh, was good. I, another great. This is at the point in the show when I was like, wait a second, are we going to see some Barchi payoff here? There's, that's yeah. a, that crept into my brain right then, and so that was a fun song just for that alone. I nope. so this is what I wanted to talk about is I thought this song was great. I thought everybody did a great job with the song, but this is the part when it felt too quick to me. Like I think I bought everything leading up to it. I understand the emotional intent of what brought us here, but this through what happens what we're about to talk about felt a little rushed in the span of the episode for me, particularly to the point of what you were saying earlier, Justin, that most of the episode up until now was about Kevin. Yeah. Like it was very focused on Kevin. It was very focused on the variety show. And then we twisted for the last third of the episode or so to be about this other thing, which there are parts. And I, again, I'll talk about this in a moment when we get to it, but there are parts that really worked for me, but this and the scene that followed, even though I love the performances and I understand why they work the way they did felt too quick. I, I hear you, but I would also throw out there a lot of the issues they're talking about have been, been being set up for like, Mm -hmm more like four or five episodes at least like Veronica being everyone being a little bit separate Veronica being really caught up in her stuff um Jughead being obviously focused on his Stonewall stuff and not paying attention to like the future at all um and then just as the Stonewall story sort of finished like they're all in very different places and I that to me this felt like a small fight that triggers a larger fight about the issues that have been boiling underneath for Mm -hmm. a while yeah, and I, I I got that. Like, I think that's definitely what they're going for. I think it was, honestly, the intensity of the song that threw me off a little bit, that it went from kind of talking about thing to full-on camera shaking and tilting back and forth and them screaming at each other through song at the top uh. of their lungs, which I understand is the point, you know, of doing it as a musical, but it ramped up so quickly it threw me for a little bit. And when we eventually got into the scene that follows origin of love, which is not just my favorite number in Hedwig, but one of my favorite musical theater numbers of all time, uh, it took me a second to like calm down and get into it and realize where we were going. There's no time to calm down and do those things at Riverdale. That's a great point. (laughs) Because I mean, here's the other thing that I'll say is like, you guys know I was 
expecting that we were going to get Betty and Archie for season one and season two and season three and season four. I was like, I'm out. I'm not guessing about this anymore. You cashed out too early, kid. You had to keep your money in for the long haul. I definitely did. That's why it's it's could have made so much money. It's it's big payout time for the Barchi heads, and that's why Pete. Like I understand you're upset, but also you've had four, three and a half full seasons with you. The thing that you liked happening. So like, hey, hey, Justin, let me just quickly ask you something. If you're in a fucking uh, bunker, you know, a sex bunker, your life, your life is kind of taken away from you a little bit. And then in that bunker, you get one shitty channel. And on that shitty channel, you know, you're rooting for something to happen, and then the opposite happens while all this other shit is going on, you know? So fuck you. Okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> What's, What's your what cable package like? You should get more channels. Yeah. You're obviously missing the point of this. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. What channel are you talking about? The the videos? The front door videos? No, no you, that just, was an analogy about uh, yeah, he's saying he's uh, Riverdale's the only thing that he's been really loving. It seems like, and mm. this and is Riverdale. You know, I have nice. that disease where I don't understand analogies, right, yeah, Pete? Exactly. Yeah, I guess so. It's sort of like how I have that <laughs> disease where I don't understand corner. analogies. What, yeah. what were you saying? <laughs> he was just saying another analogy. Um, oh, well, let's let's get to this this thing that we've been I would, not dancing very well around. Um, <laughs> Mr. Honey uh, walks out of his office. Moshing? We've been boshing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mr. Honey walks out of his office to find an all headwig student body. The wig budget in this town is sick. Uh, sick Reggie, wig budge. Sick wig budge. Uh, Reggie's looking strong uh, in full. Loved uh, again. Loved Reggie's funny. line here. Where uh, Kevin says the line right for the show, uh, where, oh, Megan, I'm blanking on what exactly he said. I should have written it down. But he says a line for the show. Richie's like, uh, I might have to pull out these shoes or whatever it is. He stabs his foot. But yeah. it's just very funny. Very funny. And um, Honey cancels the, sh- the uh, variety show. Uh, everyone's sad. And we come right into Archie in his garage. Betty walks in for the Archie's rehearsal. Archie forgot to cancel it. And here, and honestly, I was like, here, let me just read my notes. Oh, shit. Here we go. Because the heat was on in this scene. They're laughing. We get a flashback to Archie um, uh, seeing his dad. We get a nice moment between them. And that's what, to your point, Alex, where it's like, this feels fast. It does feel a little fast, and it's happening in the midst of an episode where a lot of other things are happening. But they do take the time to have these moments to really show we flash back a ton to Betty and Archie and these moments with um, Archie and his dad, like this feels like they are earning this, uh, this, this, this the romance that's happening here by being like, Oh, remember they've had this thing going their whole lives. um, And they're in a place where maybe now it's going to happen. Wait, before we get into the bullshit, I just wanted to say, the part where Archie talks about his dad and how, like, when he, like, froze on stage and then they kind of yeah. show the shot of his dad and kind of, like, I thought that was a really nice little small moment there that there was really was such a great thing to kind of, like, have pay off of him freezing on stage and that we really didn't really talk about it. They've done such a good job of, of keeping Fred as a, a as a thing for Archie, like, as... Um, the person that he really does, because so, something when they um, 
when he died and we had the special episode at the top of the season and it felt like, okay, we've done that. Now we have to tell the the regular Riverdale stories. But they've done such a good job of being like, no, this is actually hugely important and we will continue to have this be a part of the show. And I love that for the show. Yeah. 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 It's the other thing that they do well in this scene. There's that line where... Archie's like, oh, I just thought it would be kind of fun. When's the last time we had fun? And Betty's like, when we got those sea monkeys, that yeah. was fun when it was in third grade or fourth grade or whatever. And I think that gets to the emotional intent of what they're going for here is Archie and Betty are both trying to hold on to something simpler and more yeah. straightforward, something that is not as complicated as, frankly, the grown-up relationships that they have with Jughead and Veronica that have grown and have changed and have reached points that are difficult where maybe they need to grow to another level of those specific relationships. And Betty is just calling back to the simplest thing that she knows, which is growing up with Archie, buying sea monkeys, being in love with Archie, that's it. And I think that's what she's channeling there is just that simple, simple thing. Um, but it becomes something more powerful than either of them could possibly have imagined. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> Agree completely. Oh, first off, if there's a fucking cancel rehearsal, you fucking say, okay, see you later. There's no reason to can't to have a rehearsal with two people when there's other people in the group. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Because what you're rehearsing is not what you're going to perform. Wow. Pete, uh, also, Pete coming that in with song, the, coming in with the, the songs. <laughs> coming in harsh rehearsal with the defense of rehearsal Why'd etiquette. Why you rehearse that song? Why would you rehearse that song? That just make, doesn't make any sense. That's just the song that they were rehearsing. and That's, that's songs their, yeah. heart, their hearts have been rehearsing for a long time, Pete. No. <laughs> Well, the other thing about that song, which is kind of fascinating, and I think gets to the thing that I like so much about the aftermath of this. And Pete, to be very specific with you, when I say like, I don't mean think was great. I mean, it hurt in the right way, is that everybody sings this origin of love, that it's not just Betty and Archie. It's also Jughead singing it. It's Veronica singing it. And it's holding on to the idea that. Betty and Archie are having this moment. This thing is happening that has been teased pretty much since the very beginning of the series. They Obviously, there's be. another thing that happens right after that that we need to talk about. But the Jughead and Veronica are still part of this. Yes. This is not, well, we've moved on to Betty and Archie are together and they are happy and Jughead and Veronica are going to deal with it. It's, it is far more complicated and catastrophic than any of them could have imagined. And you see them, you see Veronica sort of raging at home, mad at herself, I think, for being mad at Archie. Jughead in the sex bunker, um, he's also sort of just like, ah, I fucked up. Like, I, I do like, to your point, Alex, they explore all sides of this. At the same time, this sort of sweet thing is happening, and um, we get um, just an epic kiss uh, between Betty and Archie. It's not sweet. It's very great. Um but we knew it's it's a good kiss. It's Pete. a great kiss. Nope. It's a good piss. No, it's, it's very no, it's did I just call it a piss? I didn't mean to call it a piss. Uh, it Weird. is very it's very well lit. 
It's a good kiss. It's very. I, well I was very. I was well lit when I was watching it too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and let me say, we especially know it's a good kiss because in the next couple scenes, we see some bad kisses. And I think the reason we see Veronica and Jughead in this an origin of love song is to really set up these next scenes, which I thought were just super well done when it comes mm-hmm. to like playing out the complications when you know. Um, you've done something wrong in a relationship or you know a relationship is changing that you don't and you don't have control of it anymore we come back in um after a commercial cold on betty in silence which i thought was so in a musical episode for them to come back cold on betty i thought was just so smart such an absence of anything we've had so much like sound and visuals coming at us throughout this whole episode and we come back with her still silent just looking at pictures so good a Jughead apologized. Lily Leinhardt, uh, I'll say, in this whole scene was phenomenal. Yes. Like, the whole thing, Jughead coming in, saying he's sorry, saying he's going to do the work, the way they have the kisses, like, she is holding back. Her you see her face cl- closed mouth. She can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he leaves, her just crumpling and falling down. Th- this is what I'm talking about, that I think, like, I wasn't totally sold on the fight. It threw me a little bit before the Barchi kiss, but this aftermath where it has destroyed them is such emotionally fruitful ground for them to go be going through. That to me is very nerve wracking and uncomfortable and, and exciting, exciting all in the all in the right way. And honestly, it really made me feel like moments when I've been in a relationship and I've been like, ah, fuck, this isn't going to work out. I in that moment when you know and you still are, you haven't processed it and you haven't been able to talk about it or like say it to the other person and you you're still going through the motion of like no we're still together and you kiss and you're like you can't hide the kiss you can't hide it in that moment and i just thought that was really perfectly shown pete well for both of them it hurt pete like this is what i wanted to get towards is that it hurt to watch Bughead at that moment. It hurt to watch yes. Varchi in the next scene with Veronica coming up, giving him the cupcakes, being like, I'm sorry, you're the best. Give him a kiss. I'll see you later. That's awful. And it feels awful. And it's supposed to feel awful. Yeah. Is, What's great about something awful is then they have a sit in it for a little bit and just throw some extra salt on the wound and be like, yeah, you thought that was bad. Now we're going to have to fucking sit in this bullshit for a while and figure out how long they're going to fucking lie to their significant others. Yeah, what a great place to be. Well, you don't know who, like, we don't know where they're going to go. We don't know who their significant others are going to be in the future, just like life. Uh, But I, just dramatically, this felt, this is like, the high drama of this show where there's this of the other plots, this sort of scarier plots, like what's happening in the town. And then the fact that this interpersonal relationship drama is now firing on like crazy cylinders is like, to me, it's like peak Riverdale. It's where this was, Mm -hmm. could have all have been headed this entire time. The, this is definitely jumping ahead, but this is the other thing I wanted to talk about because I understand where you're coming from Pete, but like, the fact that it is clear in the final number that Betty still loves Jughead. Jughead is completely in love with Betty. Archie still loves Veronica. Veronica is in love with Archie. But Betty and Archie have this bond that is so strong as well. And this is jumping ahead of the scene that we're about to talk about is how do they get out of this? Like, I don't think 
Betty and Archie kissed, and suddenly they stopped loving Jughead and Jeronica. That's not what happened in any way. So how do they figure this out? How do they get forward? What do they do about these emotions? Are they honest? Do they come forward? Are they lying? Does that make it worse? That's, again, that is exciting drama to watch. Nope. And I'm I'm thrilled to see where this goes. I know it probably hurts for a lot of viewers out there. Yes. I'm sure because I, frankly, have been talking to people, both in my Twitter mentions and my Tumblr asks, who are like, Cry, somebody told me they were crying so hard they burst their blood vessel, their eye. And like, I, that is, I feel that and I understand that. And that is awful. And I don't want anybody to feel that. I don't want anybody to experience that in any way. But that is what good drama is supposed to do to you. And I think that's what they're doing here, at least for right now. And I, like, I know this is like, the epic dramas are about love changing hands, like Shakespearean drama. It's all about like young people being in and out of love with people. And like, that's what this is. And that's sort of what it is like when you're young, you make mistakes like this where you're like, Oh, I did this impulsive thing because it felt right. And now I don't know what to do. Like, I I think it's such a sweet spot. And I love that they opened that up for us in this episode and then didn't move it forward at all. Like, we don't know at all what's happening here. We just feel the heat between all of those characters and get to keep watching, which is... Yeah, we're just sit... We're just... We're just sitting in this real painful fucking moment and just sitting in it and just fucking stewing. It's real great. Real... Oh, it's so great. I don't don't think you actually like dramatic things because it's too... I, I think you're stressed now because you're like, these characters I like are making choices that you don't agree with. Yeah, they're making bad choices. They're hurting people. And then we gotta watch this it fucking unfolds. But what if... Well, it's like, Pete, it's like at the... You know this. It's like at the end of Cars when Lightning McQueen has to decide, is he going to stay in Radiator Springs with everybody or is he going to go back to the races? You know what I mean? And, like, that's a hard moment for him. And, again, a a romance that everyone can uh, identify with is Cars. (laughs) But, Pete, you're a huge fan of romantic comedies. This is something we've talked about on this podcast and others. Like, you know... You don't know in this moment who the the person that they're going to, each person's going to end up with. But what if Betty and Archie are the romantic comedy? What if they're the ones that are meant to be together? Like, don't, are you going to tell them they shouldn't be doing this? Romantic comedies are all about, romantic comedies are all about leaving a relationship behind many of them that isn't working to go be with the person. Don't tell me what fucking rom-coms are about motherfucker. Well, then that's what I'm saying. You don't, have, you... you don't have the fucking research and fucking volume of the shit that I've been in, man. You, fuck you. You've been in? Well, to, to put it in your terms, right. uh, uh, so, so Jughead, in kind of this case, like, he's kind of in a daze. I mean, one might even say a coma. Like, he's sort of the Peter Gallagher of the story, right? And uh, so uh, Betty has met this more exciting guy, this new guy who is there for her. And even though she wants to be for this guy in a daze who can't get past it, She's with the she's drawn to the Bill Pullman of the situation, if you will. And she'll find out what's happening while she while he's sleeping. Mm. 
That's good. Is that the correct casting? I, I've never actually seen that movie. I doubt it's Bill Pullman. Is the He's not the romantic lead of that movie, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. Bill Pullman is, is also asleep. Bill, Everybody's in a coma in that movie, right? Yeah. I think you were in a coma during that movie. Bill Pullman. to be honest. I probably should have come up with a better example, one that I know. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bill Pullman yeah. is the guy people leave, as Meg Ryan does in Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Uh, that's right. Oh, she right. leaves him okay. uh, to be with, of course, America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks. And I'm that's saying, right. okay. what if Tom Hanks is the Archie and Meg Ryan is the Betty here? So then then we've just you... been getting kicked in the nuts for four seasons. That doesn't make sense. You don't let, do that. Let me throw out to you, Pete, that no one's been getting kicked in the nuts. Let me just throw that out to you <laughs> as a dramatic. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about analogies. Is that the analogy? Is that what it feels like every time you watch this show? Not every time I watch this show, or this show in particular, yes. Wow. Uh, you're really <laughs> feeling it. So let's um, let's keep going forward because there's more stuff that Pete's not going to like to happen. Um, so we get the scenes between um, uh, Varchi and um, Bughead. That's what we used to call that relationship. Um, Archie's punching <laughs> the punch. <laughs> such a piece of fucking shit, man. <laughs> uh, Archie's punching his punching bag. He's mad. Betty sees from across uh, from her house, which is right next door to Archie's. We have this great window to window song. And again, unbiased when it comes to this, like I thought this was just such you. No, I mean it. I thought this was just such a well done number because they do have, they have this dramatic distance between them because they're both in these other relationships with their best friends. They're all friends. And if they actually go and like feel the feelings they're having right now, It'll destroy everything. So they are, there's this gap between them. So we get this song of them um, singing separate from each other, and then we cut to them flashing back to their dance, and we see them in their, their current versions of themselves dancing with each other. They have a great number together. They're holding hands, and then we see them sort of touching the windows as if they were holding hands. This is the one that got me. Like, uh. I, was, I was still kind of thrown by the kiss, but then seeing the aftermath of it, like we've talked about, and then seeing this number and flashing back to them from season one and being like, oh, my God, they have actually grown up so much so in much. three years. I, I hope so I much. don't see a picture of myself from that long ago because I have grown the other. <laughs> the, yeah, that got me. That was definitely the thing where I was like, oh, my God, this is something more. That's All what right, I'm saying. That, it made it feel real. And um, obviously, I'm I'm a Barchi guy, but I just like the way this show told that moment was like, mm-hmm. you need to pay attention to this. This isn't just about this one episode. This f- is a larger thing. Whether or not they end up together, we don't know, obviously. But it's like this has legs. This is a real thing. And I thought that just gave it so much more of a, a strength underneath it to go forward into the next episodes. Yeah. Do you think next episode Veronica's going to be like, you know what? Uh, you guys are endgame now. <laughs> yeah. She will casually change gears. Well, I mean, obviously, Archie's going to. I'm good. Archie's, I got stuff going on. Archie's going to propose to Betty, I don't know, like first act next episode. <laughs> I mean, maybe they are doing a flashback to when they were kids and uh, Archie proposed for the first time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Pete, what would you do? What would you honestly do? I just want to run a scenario for you. And this is, I'm running the risk right now of you just like straight up turning off Skype, throw your computer uh, across the room, wandering outside, getting infected with coronavirus and just instantly dying. Uh, what would you do if next episode, uh, ben, Archie legitimately proposed marriage to Betty and Betty said yes? 
Yeah, well, I would stop watching Riverdale. Well, Pete, let me throw this. But you like, we know you like Betty. But you like Archie, right? As a No, character. I don't. But I, not before this episode, you like Archie as a character. You've, I've heard you talk, no. say it many times. No way. You say you don't like him. You've never liked him. All right, he's he's a goofy guy who's all over the place. Whatever, I don't know. Well, I've it's interesting you said that, Pete, because we've got a compilation reel of all the times you said <laughs> you liked Archie. Let's roll that down. <laughs> no, I didn't make that. We didn't make we're that. gonna make it though, and we're gonna put it in post for sure. Yeah, we're definitely gonna put it in right here. We're gonna I'll put it in post. It. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you haven't heard it, just know that your podcast app is broken. But let's keep going. And maybe you didn't quite hear it, but it sounded like this. It was like, I don't know. I like Garchie. I like meatball subs and cheesesteaks, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that was Pete. (laughs) See? See, we did put it in a post. Uh, We're doing it live. Um, let's keep talking. I could talk about this uh, until I'm released from quarantine, but let's not. We'll keep talking about the rest of the episode. Um, we get the variety show, which is now at Le Bon Nui. Uh, Cheryl intros the Archies, um, and we get again. I to be we are being effusive about this episode. The way that we get to see Betty looking at Archie, Archie looking at Betty as they sing this number, I thought was re- not at the same time. It's not like a schmaltzy, like they make eye contact and it's like, this is happening. It's a longing moment for each of them separately in the midst of all of this drama that they're up there with their other significant others playing in a band. I thought that was really well done uh, when it could have been a more cheesy sort of a bad rom-com moment. Well, the other thing that I really liked about this number, and this is getting back to Hedwig, but the number Midnight Radio, it is the last number in the show. And at least in part, it's about the history of music. Like, it's about rock and roll. They, in Riverdale, you know, they subbed out the names and they said, you know, and Betty and Jughead and Archie. And then and you have the... Yeah, Rudy Shoney, very cute, and they tie up Kevin's arc by him saying "and me" and everybody going "woo," yeah, Yeah. which is like, all right, you kind of tied it up a little bit, but in the in the show they call out famous figures in the history of rock uh, and various forms of music. The initially, honestly, like the first time I was watching this, I was kind of thrown by it a little bit because I was like, ah, it's weird to sub out Patti LuPone and like Yoko Ono and other, all these other icons for these people. But the more that I thought about it, the Archies are part of that. Like they are legitimately part of the history of music. Yeah. And these characters are the part of the history of America. And it does make sense there. Like I think... That is what they are doing. They're underscoring in the script and the direction and the acting. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier about this feeling like the most Archie comics episode of the show is it really drills down on these icons, something that like they've twisted and they've changed and they've tweaked for Riverdale, but they get back to the platonic ideal of them here in this episode. And I loved it. And even beyond that, like the fact that they all, all their names get shouted out together as one sort of uh, upsets the, the relationship drama that we've been talking about. It's like, no, they are one unit no matter how it splits out with who's in love with who, who's dating who. Like, they are the Archies. They're the core four. Like, they are, and Kevin on the side. They are there, and you can't break <laughs> them up no matter what they do. 
And I, I thought that was yeah. a nice, uh, your point equally valid, but just the drama of the, the internal drama of the show, I thought everything that happened, it tied them all together again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we cut, uh, we cut to the Archies on the roof of Pops. The whole town is out. Big message of togetherness, which I thought, again, to um, the more uh, current reality we're all living in, I thought that was a really nice uh, sort of coincidence that this was about togetherness when we sort of need to see that. Uh, Mr. Hunt. And such a great shot. Yeah. Like, I just want to mention, such an amazing shot there, like, from the way that they framed it up with everybody holding up the lights, the way that they are on the roof of pops, uh, shaking their heads back and forth. Like everybody again, just seems so happy and into it. And I know it's their job as actors to do that, but there's a certain level of authenticity. I don't think you could fake. And you get that here. You get that joy of doing this number on the roof of pops for everybody. That's absolutely wonderful before it all in classic Riverdale fashion goes horrifically wrong. Honestly, at this moment, I looked at how much time was left in the episode. I was like, oh, shit, they're going to do something that's going to really fuck this up. And boy, did they. Um, well, we get uh, Mr. Honey lurking in the background, uh, sort of like in your face. You can't stop the music. A little phallus love, uh, which I thought was sweet. And then Jughead, mid-celebration, yep. um, drops into some narration. And I was like, oh, no. Um, we cut back to him <laughs> in the sex bunker. He's watching the tape, a random tape of in the woods, and we get these like shocking, uh, truly horrifying masks of Jughead and Betty uh, sneaking up behind him and smashing him in the head with a rock. And then Betty, the Betty person, looks right down the lens of the camera. And I was, this was, I couldn't it. it of everything we've seen in this show, a lot of scary things. This was the most terrifying thing on the tail end of an episode that was amazing and uh, emotionally great. To have the most terrifying moment of the series was a lot. Yeah, it, uh, that was absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they were like comic accurate Jughead and Betty's. Yes made it so much more what the fuck when yes. it was happening. Cole Sprouse's reaction, jumping back in horror of it. Uh, the fact that all we have seen is door footage of this VHS tape and that it comes down to this base level of like, hey, we know what you fucking did, you assholes, and we're coming for you. And this is all about you. Even though some of the information seems on the surface to be clearly wrong because Betty didn't actually hit him with the rock, is there more going on there? Is the Stonewall mystery not done? Did we get some of the information wrong there? There's so many things happening in this quick moment, and it's so well done. Uh, Pete, you are nodding your head, no. You didn't like it because it was terrifying? Is that what's going on? No, no. I think that, like, uh, it was a great ending. I just, I'm sick and tired of Justin just being so happy. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just is like one of those things where, uh, you know, it was a kind of a fun moment on the rooftop, and then I really liked, um, you know, how Jughead was like, "Oh shit, look at all these people with cameras. Maybe the person's here." Like, yeah, yeah, no shit, Jughead. Start looking at the crowd. Start looking at people, and then like to kind of have that ending was really, uh, yeah, it was really intense. I mean, the the masks were kind of, uh, you know, they pulled me out a little bit because I was like, it was a little too meta, but. Um, very, very uh, creepy and uh, a solid kind of crazy ending to a classic 
kind of Riverdale already intense episode where it's like, how many times am I going to get kicked in the nuts? You know, but uh, <laughs> they just kept doing it. I would track down who bought like a lot of paper mache because that's who made those mm-hmm. masks and that's who's doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you go to Charles Smith's paper mache and VHS store, I think they've got a solid lead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but to talk about that, I mean, I, I think it seems like our suspicion, um, the three of us, is that it's uh, Chick and Charles. And I got to say, yes, I think that makes a ton of sense, especially because Charles is the one that knows that Jughead would be watching these tapes. And that message seems specifically targeted to make Jughead unhappy yeah. and stressed out. Yeah, that's why my first thought was like, how the fuck did they know Jughead would be watching this? Yeah. Right. The only other possibility in my mind, which... I don't think they're going to go this way, but it could be the Stoney still. Like if they really want to wrap it all together, you know that Donna is definitely still out there. Joan is out there. We don't, I, we think Brett is out there. He certainly got the shit beat out of him by FP and Jughead. So that was going on. But like, they're the people that know what happened in the woods that night. And there's the weird detail, which I know we mentioned earlier, but Betty didn't actually hit Jughead on the head with a rock. As far as we know, we were told that she was hit with devil's breath and zombified and just had the rock stuck in her hand. But there's a possibility in my mind of like, what if that wasn't true? What if Betty did actually hit him with the rock and the Stodies had some extra crazy level of conspiracy going on? I feel like that's almost too complicated, but it's just, I feel like a possibility. Uh, I mean, whether that's true or not, I do think the idea of rewriting what happened to like drive Betty over the edge and make Jughead suspicious. I think that is a very palpable thing that, that anyone could do. Charles and Chick, another villain we don't know about, Mr. Honey. So I do think no matter what, this sort of um, like the fake news aspect of it or showing an image that is meant to drive someone uh, to make someone upset and drive them over the edge, I think makes a lot of sense for what's happening. Yeah. Before we wrap up the episode, let's do MVP, most valuable, most valuable player of the episode. Pete, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl was the only one who didn't break my heart. Uh, she didn't cheat on her significant other. She still believes in love. And uh, it's given me hope for the future. Oh, man. Wow. So sad. Now, Justin, what wait, about I you? Do have, I do have one more follow-up with you, Pete, um, because I know you're bummed out. But like, hey, I wanna... fuck you, dude. Stop kicking me while I'm down, I'm not bro. trying to kick... I'm really not trying to kick you. I'm trying to be like... Like, I know you are, of of the three of us, you're the one that sort of feels this show and many things the most. Um, you, I feel like you put yourself in the position of these characters and you hate that they're not being 100% honest with each other, right? Yeah. Um, but do you think if, at the end of the day, that Betty is like, I actually love Archie more than Jughead, isn't it more honest of her to speak to those feelings? then be, continue to be with Jughead if she doesn't feel that. 
What did I say? I said, don't fucking kick me when I'm down, and what did you fucking go and do? I, I'm not kicking you. I'm talking about it in a way that yeah, I feel like, like... hey, if you thought you were tortured more, what if they did this move? Wouldn't that torture you more than Pete, you already Pete, are? Pete, hold on. Can I interrupt here for a second? He did not kick you when, he's, when you're down. What he did was, you were down, he offered you a hand, helped you get it back up, and then he kicked you. No, I did yeah. not. I'm not trying to <laughs> kick anybody. I'm trying to talk about these, uh, what, like... Because I yes. think, to, to your point, Pete, you believe in love in in your life and in these the, these characters. And so I'm trying to say, like, love is difficult to understand and it can change. And, like, you have to, like, how do you not follow the characters that you love in their choices of love? And I'm I'm also not saying that Betty loves Archie more than Jughead. I'm saying, like, that's the mix and the chaos that all these people are in. How would you feel if, uh, similar to when they kissed back at the lodge to get even with the last kiss, Jughead and Veronica got together? What would you think about that, Pete? Also don't like that? I don't know what you guys are trying to do. Let's just fucking wrap this up, man. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jugronica, dude. Jugronica. 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 They would not even be attracted to each other, those two. I agree with that completely. <laughs> All right. Also, just a very weird have... choice to just have a, oh, now you two, now you four are together differently. Yeah. Yeah. We figured it out. Or they could have like a quattro. What's that called? Like a thruple, but four people? Is it a quattro? I think a you're quattro? thinking of a razor. You call... No, I'm thinking of a quattro, which is like a little the... being that lives in your tubby and uh, can, can see the future. I thought you were it's... talking about the, sh- uh, it was a shit quattro. No, 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 that's called a shik uh, quato. <laughs> uh, it's what you use to shave your stomach. What are we talking about? You were doing your MVP. I guess Justin. if I had to pick um, a favor in the episode, I would pick, uh, I guess I would pick Betty, but I would also pick Archie. If there's a way we could combine those two <laughs> uh, characters, <laughs> that's what I would pick. I would pick some sort of Archie, Betty, uh, Bar- Barchi, I guess we'll call it just temporarily, uh, because it was... Uh, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, Pete, or anyone else who's listening to this, but I thought this was just a great uh, romantic story for them. Really well made. Um, <laughs> uh, flashback to You're all the right moments. Fuck ball, man. And it was really you, you were just the worst, dude. Like you're like tap dancing. You put on tap shoes on somebody's <laughs> fucking grave, dude. You're just like the fucking worst. You can't help yourself. You know, uh, the this fun the funeral. Uh, I was asked to tap dance here, and so I'm going to do my tap dancing as best I can. Uh, but great episode. Really enjoyed it. Alex, your turn. Great. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. Betty and Archie really struck me as like the Lightning McQueen and Sally Carrera of this particular show. You had to look uh, that up, Sally though, right? Carrera. You had, to, you had to look I that. did have to look Yeah, I knew I it. You I saw, saw me. You saw, saw me. You. I saw you. <laughs> How am I supposed to remember Body Hunt's character from Cars, a movie I haven't seen in, like, I don't know, wow. 20 years or something? Um, no, I, I, I'm actually going to give it to Jughead, weirdly. I think just because I was so impressed with Cole Sprouse's singing in this episode and the level of the emotion that he felt with everything. Like, there, there is so much standout, so many standouts throughout this entire episode. I thought Lily Reinhardt did an amazing job. Like you said, Cheryl and Tony were great. Um, I love the whole wig in the box number. Um, but 
I was I was just very surprised by Jughead. I think he made some poor decisions as a character, but he's clearly pushing us into the next mystery. I'm excited to see where that goes. Nervous because it looks terrifying. And however he deals with the fallout of this Betty and Archie thing, I think it's going to be heartbreaking but fascinating to see. Agree. There you go. My prediction, we're going to end up seeing a Betty mask and an Archie mask kiss as a thing that fucks up Jughead. And that's going to be terrifying also. If you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live to the internet show every Tuesday at 7 p.m., both on Crowdcast and YouTube. So definitely check that out. We would love to see you there and chat about comic books or Riverdale or whatever. If you want to subscribe, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. And on iTunes in particular, leave us a comment. Those help quite a bit, and we appreciate it. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you after dark. Oh, my God.